All right, and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. As always, the number to call is 201-939-4513. I am Russ Salzberg, joined by my buddy, Paulie Dots, Paul Dottino. And isn't it a wonderful thing, also sitting at the controls, I must say, is Dave Dominic. And isn't it a wonderful thing, Paulie? Happy Tuesdays. (laughs) <laughs> when you're coming in with victories. Isn't it a wonderful thing? We can sit back, relax, enjoy the phone calls, have a good time. But uh, listen, uh, the team is uh, has a certainly different look than to what they were going into the bye week. Uh, you know, a lot has been made, and certainly the headlines were rightfully so the last couple of days, of Eli Manning and Saquon Barkley. Uh but I, I got to tell you something, and, and we know about Odell and everybody, you know, on offense contributing. But if there's a Mount Rushmore to the last two games, it has been, to me, the improved play of the offensive unit. And I'm not saying, does one guy make a difference? I don't know, but I will say that uh, JB, Jamon uh, Brown, has made a significant difference to that offensive line. All of a sudden cohesiveness, chemistry, whatever you want to call it, is there. And, you know, I think that's kind of been lost because 142 yards from Saquon, 27 carries, Eli 17 of 18. None of that happens without a greatly improved play of a offensive line that has been maligned for a good year and a half. Well, justifiably so. Yeah, well, no, without question. Okay. No, they deserved it. Uh, but now they've... Moved it up. A, a it, it is too. incredibly rare that a new part can come in from the outside, oh. as Jamon Brown did, and immediately fit in and not just improve the play overall, but improve everybody's play on the line. He he has made a huge difference, but that's only half the story. Spencer Pulley became yeah. the starting center three games ago. Uh, you remember right before the bye week, he was inserted into the starting lineup as the Giants' starting yep. center. Uh, the third one they've had, by the way, uh, Greco was the number two after uh, Jalapio had uh, broken his leg. And so Pulley has now played three games at center. The last two coming after the bye had Jamon Brown at right guard. I would say to you that while Brown has had the biggest impact on this line, I think Spencer Pulley would be 1A. I believe it's the combination of Pulley working with Hernandez and Brown on each side of his shoulders, the interior line has just become so much better with that change. Those two guys together have really made a big difference. That's a very fair point. I think you were right to to bring up Pulley. You know, one thing also about Pulley, he gets his big tail downfield pretty He does. Like frequently. He does. You know, for a big, you know, what, 310, 320, I mean, he's moving with uh, a sense of purpose moving downfield. He, no, he, I, I happen he, to agree. That's a good point. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up. But it is the offensive line, and it, it's remarkable. But, it, it listen, Pat Shermer said we're going to go as far as the offensive line is going to take us. The first half of the season, they took them to one and seven. But you know what? They said the new season, uh, it's an eight-game season, and thus far in their eight-game season, they are 2-0. and And, you know, Eli doesn't go 17 for 18, and, and uh, Saquon doesn't get his 142, uh, 142 yards without uh, a much-improved offensive uh, line. So, I mean, listen, it's a good situation. The guys are feeling good uh, as... Michael Thomas said it very well after the game uh, at his locker on, on Sunday. Well, first of all, Odell never said we're winning out. What Odell said was, when asked, "What was your goal for the, what's your goal the rest of the season?" Odell said, "My goal is to go eight no to win them, to win all of them, but you got to take them one game at a time." And Michael Thomas reiterated that at his locker when he said, "Each game." represents a one-game season. So your one-game season coming up now is against the Eagles in Philly. You can't win four in a row before you win three in a row. 
and three in a row means that they got to go beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know the fans, everybody, we're all guilty of it, looking at the calendar, looking at the schedule, and daydreaming it and this and that. You got to get the game right in front of you. Yeah, there's no question, Ross. Uh, there were a couple of small things that happened in this game Sunday that are very good signs for the Giants, and these tiny things add up really to to why they won. And and, and I, I want to take a minute or two to address them. And did you you did the show yesterday? No, with David, you no, didn't. No. Okay, so I, I don't know what the guys did yesterday. I was not on, but let me refer to just a couple of things if I can look back to this game. This was the first time all season that the Giants opened a game with two consecutive touchdown drives on offense, which made things so much more comfortable for them to do. It was also the first time they opened a game with three consecutive running plays, and all were for positive yardage, which, again, helped keep the defense on their heels because if there's early success, the defense has to respect it and they've got to be worried about it. To further that point, over the course of the game, the Giants ran the ball 31 times. Eli Manning only threw 18 passes. Now, he was sacked three times, and people will say, well, sacked four. once was a trip. It went down okay. as a sack. Right. Yeah, it wasn't no, no, truly no, no, on the O-line. No, you're right. That he was fell. A, no, that was a trip. No, okay. He fell over Barkley. You're right. That was somebody who got credit with a sack. It is a sack on the stat sheet. The but sh the he, shoelaces attack, uh, right. sacked them. But when I'm looking at the offensive no, no, line, you're right. they get credit for three sacks. Right. And somebody said to me the other day, when, when, when yesterday Shermer said, it, these were the best two games the offensive line has played. Well, how could that be if they gave up three sacks? No, no. Eli was only hit five times all game. So the sacks were isolated instances. Now, if you include, the, that's for the sake of stats, the four sacks that go on the stats become dropbacks, which meant Eli only dropped back 22 times on the day, and the Giants had 31 runs. An incredible run-pass ratio, Russ, where the run far outweighed the pass attempts. And it is so obvious to me that when that mix is going, the Giants are going to be so much better off. Well, look, as we, we've said ad nauseum you, you know if you establish the running game which is what they wanted to do early and and you stick with it it's going to allow it then it's going to allow for the play action all of a sudden he's play action you know no doubt that's that's playing to eli's strength right there always has been always and and the giants had been unable to get that going during the early part of the season which was a a, a significant impact on them climbing uphill on almost a consistent basis now, one other thing I want to give you, Russ. I keep track of this stuff, too. You know I keep track of drops in the box. You know, I'm always talking with you and Fiegels and the, jotting them down. You keep track of okay. the last time a player blew his nose. So I'm, yeah, on. I'm kind of anal about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Do you know over the last two games, the Giants have one combined drop? One. One. The execution by Eli's targets in terms of holding on to the ball, making the catches they're supposed to make, has suddenly gone to a new level. Yeah, no, no, you're right Isn't it that. amazing how much better the quarterback looks when his receivers don't drop the ball? What, what's the term that you just used? And we use it all the time, folks. It's not effort. It's execution. There, there has, as Coach Sherman would bristle each after each and every game, Prior to or after each and every practice, when he was questioned about the team's effort, he would get, for lack of a better term, pissed off. Why? Simply because he liked his team's effort. It was the lack of execution. And Paul's right. Look what happens when you execute. I, I mean, you saw it from Ingram. You saw it from everybody. You, you saw it from Sterling. You, sir, I mean, that touchdown catch from Odell, you know, he, he's made so many great catches, and everybody got excited with the 41-yarder, you know, the first series for the Giants. But that touchdown catch was a combination of brilliance on everything, on his feet. And, it, I mean, God didn't give him hands. God gave him meat hooks. I, I mean, he just it, – it's, it's amazing. But 
He held that ball like he was holding a piece of crystal, dragging his toes at the same time. It is execution. I'll tell you which was, was a phenomenal play, which got lost by the wayside because uh, it had to go back because his knee was down. That play uh, for Sterling Shepard was a great play as well. It was. I mean, that was a it was. great, great effort. So they're executing. And, and you see what's happening. You, you're getting results. Now, sometimes you're going to execute, and you won't get all the results because you know, the other team is trying to stop you as well. But um, right now, it looks like a different football team. I got one more thing I want to throw on your plate, Russ. The average start of drive for the Giants against Tampa Bay was their own 29-yard line, which was the third best average start of drive this season. The game before against San Francisco, it was the 34. Well, okay, that makes a difference. Field position is important, and special teams. Henderson on punt returns, Coleman on kickoff returns, has also helped spark this offense by giving them a chance to get out of the shadow of their own goalpost. Yep. No, they, that's listen. small stuff. All adds up. Yeah, you know, including uh, your field goal kicker, Alger Gross, uh, Rojas, uh, having himself uh, a nice season. So he's really good. Really, and and you know we don't talk about uh, the punter is Riley Dixon. Yeah, Riley Dixon. So. Um, Anyway, 201-939-4513 is the number on this happy Tuesday. Got to remind all of you wonderful folks that uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live was presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout this season. Again, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's open up the phone lines right now. Head up to Syracuse and check in with Chris. Hello, Chris. You're on with Russ and Paulie. How you guys doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Chris. What can we do for Thank you? you? I actually hired a couple of kids that went to CBA with Riley. Uh, in fact, he taught one of them how to kick. So a friend of his, pretty cool. Okay. He's done a nice but, job. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's a real great kid, so uh, it's really neither here nor there. But um, I talked to uh, John and Lance yesterday a little bit about something. I kind of had a point. And then they kind of backed me off the point, and I got off the phone, and they said, no, I still don't think so. And um, so I was kind of interested in getting your your guys' perspective on it. I think that the coaching adjustments have been really, really solid coming out of the bye, particularly with mixing up personnel packages and sticking with the run. And John and Lance's point were, you know, well, of course they can, you know, they're, they're executing at a higher level now, so it makes it easier to do that. And I, I understand that, and I would agree with that. But if you go back to even San Francisco, first few runs were pretty productive. Then after that, not so much. And yet they still stuck with it anyways. And I still think the more at-bats that we have in the run game, the better it's going to be, whether it's as, as successful as it was against Tampa Bay the other day or not. I still think that the balance was too, um, too out of whack in the first half of the season. Well, I, I, I think you make a fair point, Chris, but in fairness, and I was thinking about this before we got on the air. I was going to bring it up with, with, with you, Paulie. Uh, you know, coaches are not unlike players. You know, confidence, winning, and, and execution helps build their confidence as well. Yeah, you want to establish the run, but then when you see certain things going and, and you're sticking with it and you're getting production out of it, it makes you feel better as well. So I, I, I think it's a combination of everything. I don't think you're wrong, uh, but I understand the guys, Lance and John's point as well. There are a lot of tentacles to each one of yeah. these parts. Uh, I would say this. Against San Francisco two games ago, the Giants started their fourth different offensive line combination of the season. And any coach will tell you, when there is a constant shuffling there, there's going to be trepidation about the kinds of things that they can call. And I'm not, I'm not going to pull punches here. Chad Wheeler works very hard. But in many instances, he's overmatched. Okay? That's not a knock on him at all because he does really try. And, and many times, he scraps and he's able to actually be somewhat effective. And I give him a lot of credit for what he's been able to do because he's here every day during the offseason too, understanding that... You know, the Giants desperately needed him to play well enough to give themselves a chance to win. So, um, but nonetheless, he still has a limited ceiling as to how good he can be. 
So when you consider that situation, and he was a replacement for Flowers, whose attitude was certainly lacking, and you have the, 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 the uh, carousel at center, and then you had the changes at right guard. Is it any wonder that, that this coaching staff was very hesitant to stick behind any particular type of running play when there was no cohesion at all on the offensive line? You know, Chris, one and seven makes everybody gun shy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and I hear all that too, but I, I still think it gets back to like the principles and the fundamentals and what we talk about constantly. Paulie, you talk about it all the time about setting plays up. Yes. And about, you know, yes. you know what I mean? And I just, all I'm saying is that I just think that they've done a better job of that. And yes, the results have been better. But I hope they continue to do that, even if the results aren't as good, because I think it makes a big difference. If nothing else, Keeping the defense honest, and I definitely think Barkley can be a punishing back All right. and wear defenses down. Here's one thing I want you to understand. The Giants had a ton of negative plays, not just sacks, but also negative rushes with Barkley in the first half of the season. Now, that doesn't set your offense up for better plays later on in the game. What it actually does is it hurts you because the defense – when they have success early against those plays, they know that they don't have to respect it anymore. And now they start to cheat. And the truth of the matter is, it snowballs in the other direction. So, again, um, there are a lot of reasons why, whether it be the, the shuffling of the line, whether it be the fact that Barkley was still trying to feel his way through the grass as a brand-new player who was as green as a piece of lettuce, you know, even though he was so advanced and we talked about him being mature, he was still new to the pro game. And he was trying to figure out where the blocks are going to be, if they're going to hold, if the play is going to be successful. And so he even had to worry about the, the percentage of, of, uh, of negative plays that were going to happen. You put all this together, you have to understand it was going to take time to, to mature, to develop, to grow. It's a natural progression is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, but, and, it, it, awesome. I love that answer. Sorry, Russ, to cut you off. I'll hop off the phone here. I just want to say uh, thanks for the answer, and let's hope we can build enough confidence to go in and beat Philly for once. Uh, right, I really uh, would like to see that. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. All right, Chris. You, you, you know what? The other thing we're talking about, confidence, just like, just like uh, Eli, well, you know, has a renewed confidence in his offensive line. You know, he, he, he's confident. Also, the young man you were just talking about, Saquon Barkley, is having confidence in his offensive line. Yes. Where, where he's not maybe doing a little bit of a jitterbug trying to make something happen on his own. Now he's running. Not, he's going running. I don't, it's going to sound wrong when I say with a little more authority. But he's running. He's showing, like, let me get, let me get those four, five, four or five with yards. With more assertiveness yeah, is the a, word. Yeah. See, Barkley, were you there when Barkley talked yesterday? Yeah. Okay. He talked about how Coach this past week challenged him to reach the mesh quicker. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't understand what he meant because after the he, game, he, clarified he talked about the pace of his runs. And I'm not even sure if everybody understood in front of his locker what he meant. Here's the deal, okay? From the time that the running back is set and the quarterback makes his call, what they wanted him to do, Coach Shermer and the staff, they wanted him to get a quicker jump when he goes towards Eli to take the handoff and then to attack and hit the hole quicker because that would allow him to be more assertive between the tackles and to get those four or five-yard chunks. What had happened earlier in the year, and Look, Saquon Barkley's not going to say this because he's too good of a teammate. His but, maturity is beyond his okay, years. Russ, you and I both know there wasn't a lot of room there for him to run. And many times if there was a hole, it closed up so quick that he didn't have much choice but to try to cut it outside and make something on his own. But here's what's happening now. The coaching staff apparently feels very comfortable with the five guys that they have in the lineup at the moment. They think that the blocks will hold the way that they have been diagrammed. So they said to Saquon, listen, instead of trying to do something and make something out of nothing and cutting it outside and maybe not getting any yards on the play, 
trust the whole. Trust these guys. We trust them. We want you to trust them. So get off quicker at the snap. Take that hand off quicker. Get to the hole quicker. Attack the hole quicker and see how it goes. And that's what he did this week to the tune of 142 yards. You know, you're talking about somebody who's, you know, six foot, 233, 235 pounds. I mean, he's a bruising, bruising specimen with sprinter like speed. So. He's taking advantage of it, and especially when you got confidence in your offensive line and the offensive line, once again, using that word execution, when it's executing, everything seems to mesh together. No pun intended. All right, let's go to Rochester, check in with Doug. Hello, Doug. You're on with Russ and Paulie. Hey, Paulie. Happy birthday to you guys. Hi. Hey, you um, too. I want to talk about the Giants' defense on against Forty Niners. I think it was um, Jameis Winston. And he fumbled in the end zone, and Mike Evans recovered. But, uh, uh, against against the right Bucks, against there. the Bucks, you mean? Yeah, he was right there, and I think Evans took the ball from him in the end zone, and then the the miss um, the miss um, interceptions uh, right through the hands of some defenders. At least two of them. Yeah, um, I just want to say that the defense can't afford to miss opportunities like that. You're right. You know, they, they make those plays, and I don't think the Bucks would even be in the game if they make those interceptions and get that fumble recovery, like I said. Um, against the Eagles, they can't afford to do that. You know, so. you know, Paul and I, and thanks for the call, Doug. Appreciate it. Paul and I were talking mm-hmm. uh, about that just before, that, mm-hmm. listen, there's no excuse for it because this is the NFL, but it seems that all these teams do it. You get yourself a nice lead, and it's something that the Giants haven't had yeah. too many times this season. And all of a sudden, you relax or you play that softer cover two, and you know it can come back and bite you if there's enough time on the clock. It can bite you on the rear end real fast. So, uh, but you're right. Listen, defense. Uh, while that game was a nice win. It was also it was a good win uh, f- for Pat Sherman to look at the guys in the face when he came in Monday and when they go back to work tomorrow and say, okay, guys, we got two in a row. You want to make it three in a row? <laughs> There's still plenty of room for improvement. And, that, you know, a coach likes to be able to say that. You, you put one win in your pocket and still say to you guys, we got plenty to go, folks. Let's go to uh, Oakland right now and check in with Mike. Hello, Mike. You're on with Russ and Paul. Hey, great to be on with you guys. Happy Thanksgiving week. Hi, you happy, too. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Now, are you calling from Oakland, California, or Oakland, New Jersey? California. Uh, all right, buddy. All right. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, you know, I, I got a couple quick things, and then I want to get on to Gettleman and Shermer, but... Um, you know, I called in last week, uh, Russ, you were on with Jeff, and, and I said, um, you know, it was unpopular, but I thought we might be closer with the offensive line than people thought, and, you know, so far so good. Um, and I wanted to, you know, Paul, you, you started to answer a question that I had last week and Jeff didn't really want to touch, which was what, what I asked what the ceiling was for uh, Chad Wheeler and Spencer Pulley. You know, doing the research on Spencer Pulley, you know, I like the fact, you know, he's a UDFA that's worked his way out to being a starter. And but yeah. that doesn't tell me whether or not, you know, he could end up being a kind of a bona fide starter. And you, you don't think Chad Wheeler's ceiling is very high, you said. But what do you think about Pulley? I, I think Pulley has the rest of this season to show the Giants whether or not he should be the starter next year. I think it's pretty obvious to me that they'll have Solder. Hernandez, and they'll re-sign Jamon Brown if at all possible. And those three starters will be locked in. I think Pulley right now is going to be on audition to try to prove that he should be a starter going into next year's training camp. I think he is certainly on his way to proving at the very least he deserves the opportunity to compete for the job. I mean, there's no question he has been an upgrade. So, um, you know, how high is his ceiling? I've only seen him now for three games. I, 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 don't, I don't know that it's fair. I, I didn't watch his Chargers tape. I knew what happened with, with San Diego. I knew the, that they, he had had a chronic knee issue, which he got uh, taken care of during the offseason, and that the more he played, the more it bothered him, and he was significantly hampered 
uh, by, by some of the pain. But I haven't seen enough of him, only three games, to know how high his ceiling can be. But I'd say at the very least he deserves the chance to compete for the starting job next year. Now, Wheeler, to me, might wind up being a really good backup for them. I don't know. I don't know necessarily that he's got enough to be a, a starter going into next season. I think you would you would want to try to upgrade that, and that is not an insult to him in any way. But he certainly has a, a ceiling. There are limited things that he's going to be able to do for you. And and to be honest, if the Giants are really going to run the ball more going forward and into 2019, they'll need more of a road grader at right tackle. Wheeler right now is just a scrapper and a fighter, and he's doing everything he can just to hold his own and to hold the line of scrimmage. And I appreciate that. You've you got to applaud a guy like that. Coaches love guys like that. Okay? But that it doesn't mean it doesn't make you automatically well, a solid starter. He's not Kareem McKenzie. Yeah. No, no. That's, you know? And that's really what the Giants need. They need a Kareem McKenzie in that spot. Yeah, and David Deal talks about how he, Kareem McKenzie solidified that amazing line. So he was so underrated. I actually had done a bunch of reading about Wheeler. I found he played hurt in college, but I didn't know he was hurt last year. He didn't get a very good football focus grade, but you know that's not everything. Anyway, that's good info. Thank you. You know, my hope is um, the guy can make it work because I did read a lot of positives about him. So I, just a, like I said, a couple points before getting on to Shermer. One is. You know, earlier in this year, Saquon had a like a 4.3 yards per carry average, and his average yards before contact was minus 0.3. And yeah. now we see what the guy can do with, you know, even reasonably good blocking. He's just a terror. Second point is, you know, what I see from Eli Manning is a guy can, who can still win us a championship. I mean, you guys pointed out there were a bunch of callers screaming for his head. You guys pointed out what happened to Russell Wilson getting sacked six times, not being able to win a game. I mean, no quarterback performs when he's constantly under siege and can't get the, you know, has two seconds. I think Eli can still win us a championship. I'm still a huge fan, and I hope that uh, the last two games will quiet some of the idiots that are so quick to just drum up controversy and write him off because I think the man can play. Well, listen, you're preaching to the choir right here. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you know that. I mean, uh, to, to me, and it's I've said it all along, it's been hypocritical, Okay. It has been absolutely hypocritical, and I'll, I'll rever- go back to it. Then you can get on to your question about Shermer and Gettleman, Mike. The same guys, the same same members of the media. Last year, when Eli was being benched, the same the same people who were in an uproar over Eli being benched. The reason they were in an uproar, they didn't give a rat's patootie about Eli. It gave them a chance to go after Ben McAdoo, who they didn't like. So so they went after Eli. Then, forget the one and seven, after two losses, after two losses this year, it was, oh, my God, we need a new quarterback. Get him the hell out. The Giants made a mistake. They shouldn't have drafted Saquon. They should have got Donald or whatever. Am I right? It was the same thing. So that's just hypocrisy. But anyway... Points been made. You, myself, and Paulie agree, Mike. What else you got for us? Well, I guess, um, yeah, by the way, thank you. Uh, but, you know, I guess um, my, my, my other thing is just cause for optimism. And this, this is what I want to bring out about Sherman and Gettleman. One of the frustrations I think a lot of fans have had over the past, you know, several years where we've just kind of watched the Giants roster deteriorate and the offensive line underperform is this feeling like um, that management of the Giants was content to just kind of dig in with the roster that we had, just kind of say, these are our guys, we think they're good enough, coaches got to make it work, whatever. But just this, even with the coaching, you know, not moving guys and trying new combinations. That is not what I'm seeing now. I mean, you said four different combinations on the offense. Well, not only that, but I mean, look what Gettleman's doing. You know, he's he's you know he we, we uh, I understand we he made some mistakes, but you know he you know he's cutting guys that don't work out. I mean, the offensive line it's real obvious because everybody wants to you know can see Omame and Flowers and the fact that they cut him and moved on and brought in Brown, phenomenal. Brought in Spencer Pulley, Spencer Pulley, good move. But I think like for me, you look at um, the fullback. You know, we had a what was his name? Um, Justin Smith, something Smith, Shane Smith, and, Shane Smith. 
Payne Smith, right. So he's been on the, he, you know, two years on the team. He played a couple games, missed his assignments, missed the box, just, you know, nothing happened. All of a sudden, he's gone. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Elijah Penny's in. Yep. Look what Penny's doing. You're seeing all these multiple running back formations. The bottom line is, guys aren't performing in this stuff. No knock against them. Everybody, the, all these guys, I give them credit. They spent their lives getting the NFL. I want everybody to succeed. But the bottom line is, you know, if they're not succeeding, these guys are making a move. They're trying new people. That flexibility, that intelligence, and that desire to just continue to move and get better and not dig your feet in with your ego tied into a mistake you made, that's a great reason for optimism going forward. Absolutely agree with you. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. Points. Happy Thanksgiving. You too, buddy. You too. Happy and a healthy you, you and your family. Very, very important to note, um, by the way, uh, when when talking about, you know, the quarterback position and all, you know, everybody needs some protection. Everybody needs a run game, et cetera, et cetera. I think we all believe that Carson Wentz is an outstanding quarterback, right? Get no argument from me. Okay. What happened the other day against the Saints? No run game, no pass protection, has the worst game of his career, throws three interceptions, no touchdowns, and all of a sudden he looks like dog meat. I mean, that's just the way it is in this game. Everything is so tied together. The foolishness of people to want to hang and crucify a quarterback just because he was unable to rise above the 15 hurdles that were put in front of him on a given Sunday is is laughable. What have we said? What have I said till I'm blue in the face? This is the best place in the world to win, and it is the most <laughs> god-awful place in the world to lose. It is. It is. And, and, and you know, people, it, it's more so, you know, I'll, I'll say it, we're members of the media, but it's more so than ever before where people just have agendas. And, and the agenda, this, it, and it still exists. Because I, I read the papers on Monday and, and, and today, okay? It, it still exists. It's almost like Eli went 17 for 18, and just as they did the week ago, they're still like begrudgingly praising Eli. And one of the papers had him as he, he was the unsung hero this week. Really? Unsung hero. He was 17 for 18. <laughs> Two TDs and 200. <laughs> unsung? No, no. I mean, come on. But that, that's just the way it is. And by the way, one other comment. He was talking about the, the offensive line and, 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 and the running backs. I was talking to Otis Anderson and Rodney Hampton and Joe Morris about Saquon Barkley, and they just absolutely adore the kid's talent. And I, and I asked each one of them, what if he had one of those Super Bowl-caliber offensive lines in front of him from the get-go? What do you think? And, and none of these guys could even imagine the kind of numbers and staggering performances he could put up. I don't think it's out of the question. If he had like the Suburbanites that Joe Morris had in 1986, that Saquon Barkley could run for 2,000 yards. I really believe that. I'm not doubting anything about Saquon Barkley. (laughs) No, no. I mean, we're talking about a kid. You know, I don't want to put the malaika on him, but I mean, if Saquon Barkley, God forbid, unless he, God forbid, he gets hurt, this kid's, you know, running his way to... uh, Fame and fortune at and and the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's go to our. But well, before I do that, I got to remind everybody that uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout this season. Just a reminder, as we were talking, Paul, no Big Blue Kickoff Live on this Thursday. So everybody enjoy the Thanksgiving, in, including the crew here. And then uh, for sure, they'll, they'll, we're here tomorrow. And we'll be back on, uh, somebody will be back with you on uh, on Friday. Actually, I think it will be me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's good that you know your own schedule. I'm very proud it, of you. It is good. 201-939-4513. I know, I know Lenny from Columbia, Maryland is also clicking his heels today and for good reason. Am I right, Len? Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. Hello, Len. Guys. Happy Thanksgiving. First you too. Well, same you to too. you, buddy. Same yeah, to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, listen, uh, you know, progress, two in a row, uh, home win, uh, you know, we're, we're clicking along, we're, you know, we're building up here, building, building a little momentum. Yeah, got, a, got a division game on Sunday, I know it's on the road, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun down there. We've won down there, 
go down there and play hard, right to the right to the final whistle, and check the scoreboard. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, this is, um, you know, it's been, it's, you know, it's been nice. And you know, to capitalize on what the previous caller said, and he he really made some good points. One of the things that I'm most excited about it looks like things are settling down. I mean, and not just because of the two wins, but. You know, it was almost like we had an extended training camp. I mean, we were running two or three guys onto the roster every week yeah. during during the season. You know, you commit to these guys for the second half of the season. You know, we're in this together, guys. Let's go win some games. I think that goes a long way. You know, it, the, it the roster has kind of settled. We did the purging. We got incremental um, improvement, you know, in some positions. But now we're going to settle down. Let's go out there and play football the next six weeks. Well, Len, the next Len, six games. Let, me, let me make something real clear here. And, again, uh, the number is 16 in terms of guys who are still around from last year's team. Yeah. The, the yeah. turnover has been immense. But oh, let's, let's make something very clear. And Jamon Brown understood it when he got here off of waivers from the Rams a couple of weeks ago. We talked to him at his locker right away and said, well, there's an opportunity here, right? And, and, and he gets it. And I think everybody else in that locker room gets it, too, because now that they're trying to gel together as one roster, as one team, as one unit, and they've got their their mission right in front of them, and that is get better. Start to show that we can win games so that when Dave Gettleman sits down at the end of the calendar year, he says, you know what? This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, these guys can help us win games. So yeah. they can be part of the answer in 2019. Yep. You know, it, it really ticks me off, Russ. And Len, bear with me half a second. For the morons, and I, I'm going to use that word. I'm going to be harsh, folks. I don't like to do this, but I'm going to be harsh. Who go say, go ahead, lose as many games as you can. These oh two wins God. are terrible because you're going to hurt the draft pick. Yeah. That is the most ridiculous thing you could possibly say, because you know you know why. I agree, I agree with right, you, right, And you know got why? That line of thinking. You know, Deal had a good point last week. There was a caller who called in and, and expressed that view. You know, I just want him to lose games so we get a better draft yeah, pick. Yeah. Okay. And, great. And, and David Brilliant. David said to him. David said to him. Listen, do you feel better after a win or after a loss? Well, here's the thing, <laughs> Len. I mean, come on, Len. If if they if they were to continue to lose games then Dave Gettleman would have to look at this roster at the end of the year and say, well, there's hardly anybody here who's part of the solution. I got to clean out house for a second year in a row. And then you would have had no progress. Let's see what we can do with this roster. I agree. I agree. Hey, let me me say something. Uh, You guys, I was glad you brought up special teams earlier. You know, these first ten weeks, um, special teams have been really good. And and it's not just – I mean, the kickers are doing a good job. But, you know, you look – and the returns. This guy Coleman, he looks like he's got a feel for that job. It looks and, like he's and, got a feel he, on the field, got, period. Know, Paul, yeah. When the hole is there, he's got a burst. Not everybody has that. You're right. But it looks like he's got a burst to get through that hole. And, you know, those runs, he's made, he's made some really good returns on, under these new rules. And, you know, it takes good blocking to do that. And to cover the kicks the way they're covering, it takes good tackling by some guys, and let me single out a guy. I know he got hurt on Sunday. Hope he can play this coming Sunday. He's in concussion protocol. Kerry Wynn. Yes. Kerry Wynn is a yes. terrific special team player. He sure yes, is. He, is. he sure is. Real, I'm on both sides. I mean, blocking and uh, you know running mm-hmm. down under the kick, and you know making a tackle. He's uh, he, he's a really valuable guy. Yeah, the special teams have improved dramatically. Well, yeah, just, the two the two kickers have been good all season, oh, but the oh, addition yeah, yeah. Oh, of well, there's no question about that. The but additions I to go a little of, deeper. Yeah, I'm, Cole, I'm pleased with the kickers. I just wanted to go a little deeper and say, you know, sometimes, you know, you you need kick coverage. And we, no question, no question. Yeah, but the addition and, and of Coleman and Henderson. Returns. You know, we wonder why the guy only gets to the 16. Well, Len, well, Len, I mean, I, honestly though, Henderson and Coleman are are legit return guys. Henderson oh, yeah. knows how to deal with punts. Coleman clearly knows how to deal with kickoffs. He did it in college, had not yeah. done it in the NFL since he turned pro. But these yeah. two guys have made a huge difference the last few weeks. Okay, let me, let me say one thing about the defense, if, 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 yeah. if, uh, if I can have a little more time. Um, you know, I, I, I have this theory, you don't have to get worse to get better, guys. Um, we, 
we really miss snacks. Oh my goodness. I, I, I just don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know about that trade. I mean, it's going to be like the 160th, 165th pick in the draft. Um, I, I, I know what, you know, what was said, the reasons why and so forth, but geez, we were getting turned around in the, in the middle of that line on, on Sunday. That was a tough play. What do you guys think? Well, uh, listen, Snacks was one of my favorites. So I'm, I'm talking from a personal perspective. Snacks yeah. was one of my favorite guys. Yeah. But having said that, you know, when, when you view somebody as a favorite, you tend to think with your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Then you think with your head. And, and, I know. And a good GM can't do that. Now, listen. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't think it was strictly a financial move. I don't know if it was leadership or lack of or, yeah, or, yeah. or chemistry in a locker room. I yeah. don't know. I have not been told different. You, you know, we've all become the same way. You kind of wonder why did it happen? Yeah, they they yeah. just felt this is what they wanted to do, yeah. and, and they did it. Uh, you know, If you're going to run that 3-4 defense, though, man, you need a stud. At nose tackle, and and Snacks was one of the two or three best at that. At right. that well, job. well, let me I, I let me just say one thing, Len. Yeah, yeah, go. They go. have young guys on that team like uh, Tomlinson and what, Tomlinson. who they okay. want to see. You know, at, at this juncture when he was traded, what what the hell was their record when Snacks was traded? Oh, well, God. oh God, they were one and one in oh, yeah. uh, five. five. Okay, okay. The, the the point being, he he was traded also to see. Let's. We got these young guys here who we have faith in, but now we want to see, and that's also thinking towards the future. So, that's yeah. that's part of the growing process, you or, know, or the assessment process. Yeah, and, and Len, but, and then that's part of what you have to understand here, because by by clearing out snacks, okay, now they think Tomlinson actually fill can fill that yeah, position they, they very do. well. Oh, Better to learn that now than next season. Because yeah. if you can get a jump on that now, give him the experience, give him the yeah. tape, and then figure yeah. out if he can do it, now yeah. you have the offseason to decide whether or not that's a good or a bad. If you wait till training camp next year, you're behind the eight ball. Now, let me, get, let, let me add you, one more thing. You know, I like let, Tomlinson, and I like Hill outside at that defensive yeah. run stoppers at that defensive end position. And you know who had a, a pretty good game on Sunday? Mora. Another pickup off the street. Josh, Josh you know, Morrow's actually season, done a decent job. Is, is uh, Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. I'd like to see Edwards get more snaps. He's the one that caused the fumble on Winston down there on the goal line, you know, on that goal line. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he caught up to him, got mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ed, Edwards is Edwards looks like he can play a little bit, but I mean, it's it's the modern NFL. Look at that game last night. I mean, it's like a basketball yeah. game. I mean, that was just you know fun to watch, I guess. But yeah, you know, you wonder about defense. But I mean, the offense in the league is just a little ahead of the defense at this point. If you can make a couple of plays a game, you know, the stop on fourth down, guys, big time play. Big time play. Oh, without and a, well. and, and and a couple. You know, you get a couple. Of, you get a couple of interceptions. Uh, you know, a tip ball. It's not like you have to shut them down the whole game. He's just got. It just seems like these days, if your team can score thirty points, like we can, if you can stop the other team a few times and make them punt. Even if they put up 28 points at the end, we still win the game. You, you know what, Len? You, you brought up something about defense. Len, we, we got to run. We got more calls. Okay, okay. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, guys. That, Enjoy your that, turkey. Thanks, Len. But, but you, you know what, Paul? Um, you, what I, you know what I think also part of the problem with, with defense is around the league now? The rule changes. And with the, protect, no the, doubt. the protection of players, which I get and I understand. But having said that, that's listen. A lot of the hits today become fifteen, fifteen uh, yard uh, unsportsmanlike, you know, penalty, uh, unsportsmanlike penalties. Fifteen yards added on. I mean, instead of a big stop, it's going the other way. I do want to add one other thing about Snacks, and this is not a negative on him at all, but it just happens to be a fact of life. Snacks has been battling a chronic knee issue now for two years, and we know how many practices 
that he has taken off for what they said was maintenance issues because they wanted to make sure they preserved him for every weekend so he could go out there and give them maximum efficiency. Well, the guy's been in the league for a number of years now. That's not going to get better. Right. So at some point, it's going to start getting worse and worse and worse. And if you're a team that is on the cusp of winning, you're a contender, which the Giants are not right now. You live with that. And you say, okay, take those practices off. We got you on Sunday. Let's see what, whatever juice we can squeeze out and try to win this game because we're, we're looking for a division title or a, a wild card. But when you're a team like the Giants in the middle of a rebuild, okay, I, I hate to use the word, but I'm going to have to right now, you can't afford to have guys like that who are in maintenance programs during the week because that doesn't help the leadership, the gelling, the chemistry of the team, that this guy is not practicing when his other teammates are during the week and then only playing on Sunday. In other words, the reward that you can possibly benefit from isn't worth the loss of having him practice on a daily basis with his teammates when you are in a turnover rebuilding mode. It's just not. All righty, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to Delaware, speak with our buddy, Coach Marvin. What do you say, Coach? How you doing today? You're on with Russ and Paulie. Happy Turkey, Marvin. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. I hope you and your family enjoy this Thanksgiving that's coming up. Right back and, uh, at you, buddy. Right back at you. What do you got today, Coach? Well, uh, I wanted to start off with uh, the word uh, play action, play action, play action. Yes, sir. <laughs> I said this from the beginning that uh, that's what Eli is. He's a play action passer. majority um, of uh, quarterbacks in the league are play action passes. So you get those linebackers out of those areas, out of those passing lanes, and uh, you got something, you got space in between them. And that helps everybody. Um, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to make a comment on what Paul was talking about with snacks. And I wanted to ask both of you, maybe this is what I, uh, is part of what, everything that um, Paul was saying, but I'm pretty sure that's why they let him go. I hated to see him go, but I think the, his price tag, his age, and being a two-down player played a role in that move also. And I, and I think they, they wanted to go younger and, um, and they, they're clearing out cap space, I believe, uh, to be part of it. Well, I mean, um, there's no question that, that, that as they move forward, you know, they now are in much better cap position going into the offseason than they would have been otherwise with the two trades they made and with the, the slices to the roster with some of the other players that, that, that they have let go. So, so all of these things together, Marvin, you know how it is. There's never one reason for a move to be made. There are always a whole handful of them. You have to look at all the angles in the prism to really come up with a complete and honest reason as to why something was done. Yeah, and I agree with that. And and something that fans don't usually do, I'm sure they they had a uh, they had an issue and they had an answer, and they going with the answer over the issue, whatever it is. Hey Marvin, being uh, a coach, I want to ask you something, if it's okay. No, you can ask me anything. All Paul. right, let let me let me ask you this. Tell the people out there because I guess when when we tell them here, sitting in the host chair, they don't believe it. One of the things that I've tried to preach to everybody from the beginning of the season, one of the best ways to break that too deep zone with the safety, you know, the big cover two shell that everybody keeps talking about and how the Giants receivers kept saying we couldn't take deep shots because they kept playing the deep cover two. One of the best ways, in fact, the best way to break that sucker is to run the football. So when you run, you don't just set up the play action but you force one of those safeties to come down into the box, which then allows you to make bigger plays downfield. Would you kindly tell our audience that that's how it works? Well, that's exactly how it works in the game. And no matter what plays you're calling, you, you, you're trying to, you're trying to um, uh, sort your, um, your strength on them. You're, you're trying to bring them down into that box. Because I always used to tell my guys is, the, the run, before we even started talking about pass, we talked about the run. And what we wanted to do is that we wanted to make, I wanted to make sure that teams knew we were running. 
And the best thing and the worst thing for a defense is when you know somebody's running and you can't stop them. Yeah, well, that's that's a good thing. (laughs) Now you've got to bring those safeties down because they need help up front. And and we're going to pour that down on them. If If I can figure out that my front... My front five can handle your front, I'm going to say front seven. And, and if we can handle my front six against your front seven, if we can handle you up front, I'm going to pound you all day. I'm going to bring you down into that box. That's right. And I'm going to, and I'm going to keep pounding you until you can slow me down. But once you slow me down, then I'm going to get in behind you. And that's where the play action comes into play. Because no question. You're, you're messing with guys at what they see. And whatever they see, you trying to make it a, mir- a mirage in a way. You think you see something, but it's something behind you, and that and, and that's what play action does to teams. It, it's demoralizing when they can just run it down your throat and you can't do anything. And you look at the Cowboys. That's mainly their success is that they pour their skill on you. Of course, and, and no doubt. All right. and, the, and the word that they need to know is, uh, you know, you, is you are taking their will away from them. And there's nothing worse than uh, uh, because the hardest thing to do is to move somebody against their will. I, I want you to move him to his right against his will. He wants to go left, right. but we're mm-hmm. going to move you to the right. And that's, that, that's what you're trying to do. And, and that's what I was going to call about earlier is that's why we're playing well all over the field, even though Corey um, Coleman has made a big plus in the um, kicking game, and that's because of, um, because of his speed. And he can break it at any time, and everybody knows that. Um, but the offensive line is the one that's doing it. If you look at the last game, you were talking about Barkley getting the ball, running, um, attacking the line. And that's what you want to do, depending on the call. If I'm running what we call a twenty a twenty four lead, I want I want everything to be as I would say two seconds. It's bam bam, you're right. hitting and you're hitting the hole. If you look at the game last week, he was running in a straight line. That's right. He was hitting that hole in a straight line. There was no dancing. There was none of that. Oh, and what what happens when you run that play? As I tell my guys. Don't dance in there. You hit that hole. The faster you hit that hole, the faster you can get get away from the first wave. You get into that second wave, now you can dance and you can make your cut to hit that sideline if you can get there. But you want to run into that straight line before you start doing all of that. Marvin, we, we got to run because we got more callers, but but I love, I love the fact that that stuff that you and I have preached for so long is now coming to fruition on the field for these Giants. Enjoy your turkey, yeah. will you please? Take care, Marv. Hey, hey, before y'all go, I just wanted to say one more thing about the offensive line. The big test is this week. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, no, argu- no <laughs> argument there. Oh, yeah. A- a- amen to that. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, Coach. <laughs> Let's go out to New Mexico and check in with our buddy Scott. Scott, how you doing today? You're on with Russ and Paul. And happy Thanksgiving. You too, Scott. Uh, I, a couple of callers stole my thunder in regards to the questions I had, so I'm going to reverse course a little bit. And I wanted to talk about uh, since uh, the bye week, this metamorphosis of the Giants. Uh, they're starting to look what the Giants envisioned in the beginning of the season. Yeah. So, how much do you think the coaching staff has evolved as well? In other words, do the coaches make the personnel or does the personnel make the coaches? And to cite an example, there was a lot of grief uh, heaped on Hal Hunter in regards to the offensive line, and he he was taking a lot of, uh, I think, unnecessary... Uh, I would agree uh, with that. Yeah, yeah uh, unnecessary uh, comments. But I knew him in his days in San Diego, and I know what he put together there. So my question, again, is a simple one. Does the personnel make the coaches, or do the coaches make the personnel? Well, and well, I, have you seen an evolution of the coaches since the beginning of the season? No, I think the coaches are the coaches. I, I think what you've seen, the coaches were doing what they need to do. They continue to coach. They don't right. run scared. They stick with their game plan. They, they, they stick with you know their belief. Obviously, you know, once the guys that they believe in or that they're working with uh, and they're coaching up start to play better, then the coaches 
have greater confidence in the players and thus really have greater confidence confidence in themselves. They can call certain plays that maybe they were gun-shy about doing earlier. So I, I, I think you, you've seen an offensive line starting to mesh because you, you brought in, as Paul said, you know, Pulley's now at center. You brought in a JB, uh, Jamon Brown, uh, right. who's made a significant difference. And, and we should say one thing, Paul, which maybe – you know, it gets lost. You know, John Greco, uh, not that anybody is maligning him, but, you know, now he's relegated back to the bench. John Greco came to this team for the specific purpose of being a veteran backup Correct. offensive lineman. That's his job. A guy, you know, when needed to be able to step in. He was forced <laughs> into a situation that was far different. He was forced into a starting center situation. You know, so, you know, things have changed. Uh, and and now it seems to be settling, but I I think I think the coaches continued to coach, and now you're seeing the chemistry and cohesiveness with the offensive line coming together, and for the team it's paying dividends. Yeah, I like Greco by the way. He's a hold the fort yeah, guy. I question. really do. I don't. I, I'm with you, Russ. I don't want to be smirching. No, because not at all. He went in there and did a very good job of mentally trying to get this team yeah. on the right page. Yeah, that see that gets lost because they're just losing. Oh, this guy's a stiff. No, that's not the case. He's a veteran. 10-plus-year guy, he was brought in to be exactly what yeah. he is, a, a, a leadership kind of guy, a mentor kind of guy. You got young guys on the offensive line. You got guys like Will uh, and, and Wheeler and Watt. So, you know what? He, but he came in. He was forced into a far different role with a far bigger load. So, you know, Scott, can't do nothing about that. Right. Do you think the Giants, as they go into next season, where do you think the major improvements have to be made in order for this team to get to where they need to go? Uh, because I'm a big believer that championships are still won by defense. And I would think that on the defensive side, if everything holds true with the offense, that the biggest changes will be in the defensive part. And I want to know if you assess it the same way or you look at it a different well, way. Well, I, I don't think you can really give an honest answer until the season yeah. plays itself out. There are still too many guys auditioning for, for potential jobs going into right. next year. But to be fair... I think that the, the line certainly wants to continue to improve going into next season. The pass rush has to get better going into next season, and I do think they're going to need some, some more help in the secondary going into next season. But that's just a general comment because, again, there are still guys who are trying to become part of that answer. Scott, thanks right. very much. Have thanks you, again. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We've got time for one more call because Jeff has been holding on from Rhode Island. So let's uh, close out with Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? You're on with Russ oh, and Paul. Fine. How are you guys doing today? And uh, happy Thanksgiving. You too, Jeff. We just got a couple of minutes, buddy, so make your okay. point. What do you got? No, I just uh, I wanted to ask Paul. I know he's uh, he likes Lorenzo Carter a lot. I, Very much. Uh, the, game, the game wasn't televised up here uh, Sunday, so I was just wondering uh, you know, if he did anything of note in Sunday's game. Well, he was more quiet than he was in San Francisco. It, it, against the Niners, he busted out and had a huge game. I mean, I think it was six solo tackles, uh, you know, just to start with. And that doesn't even include, I think, three tackles for a loss, um, you know, pressures. And he was dynamite against San Fran. That was his best game of the season. Much quieter in this last yeah. game against Tampa Bay. But... Again, he's a rookie. It's just all part of the process yeah. as he moves forward. By the way, Jeff, if you're a Lorenzo Carter, Carter fan, you can uh, go to Giants.com uh, right now, and uh, they've got, we've got a Lorenzo okay. Carter mic'd up video for you. It's pretty good. So uh, okay. go, go to uh, Giants.com and, and, uh, and check it they out. They did reward him for his game in San Francisco by starting him yeah. against Tampa Bay. You okay. know, so, so the coaches are very much aware of his ups. And, uh, Russ, I just wanted you to know I was looking at my Tom Ge Tom Kennedy New York Giants football card the other day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Uh, now we know you're a diehard, buddy. All oh, right. I am. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Listen, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, my friend. Same to you guys. All right. And that is... Uh, I wonder if he had to trade three three of uh, the Earl Morals to get a hold of a Kennedy. No, I don't think you'd get to trade. <laughs> you, you might have to trade. I mean, Tom Kennedy coming from the Brooklyn Dodgers of the Continental Football My League. goodness. I, I forget who who got hurt or something for the... I mean, that's we're going back to the mid-60s. Yeah, it was so, probably Morrill. Was it? No, I don't think so. 
because a- after after Tittle, you know, after Tittle retired, remember the '64 season was his last season. Right. Then then they then they went through uh, uh, oh the fellow from Cornell. Oh my goodness! Why am I forgetting the yeah. fellow from Cornell? Gary Wood. Gary Wood. Bingo. Yeah, there, there you go. go. There's a dad team for you. There Gary you Wood. Gary Wood was there. Earl Morrill was there. They finally wound up making the trade with the Vikings to get Fran Tarkenton. Anyway, folks, that becomes a wrap on today. Our thanks to the illustrious Dave Dominic at the controls for us. I am Russ Salzberg. He is Paulie Dots. Uh, for those of you who will be back here tomorrow, great. For those of you who won't, want to wish everybody a happy and healthy Thanksgiving to you and your families. Be safe, and I will see you tomorrow.